ladies and gentlemen, now hosting the Rizzo cast, put your hands together for Steven Rizzotto. What's going on, everybody, and welcome. My name is Steven Rizzotto. I cover the San Francisco Giants for SF Bay. And I am the host of RizzoCast, the podcast that features current and former big league players, coaches, fans, media, and whoever else is regarded as some of the brightest minds uh, around the game of baseball. Today's guest is Jeff Ramirez. You may remember him from episode number 49 of RizzoCast. Uh, so he's now a two-time guest. He's currently an assistant varsity baseball coach at Archbishop Reardon High School. Yes, that's my former alma mater. Uh, and I had the privilege of playing under Coach Jeff for two years, and he's someone I still keep in contact with to this day. Uh, oh, yeah. Did I mention he was a former San Diego Padres first round? Or not first round, but he was a draft pick back in 2006. Uh, Coach Jeff and I catch up on how his coaching season is going so far. The new pitch clock in MLB, the new shift rules, offensive approaches, pitching, an outlook on the San Francisco Giants. They're the local team in San Francisco, of course, where Rudin's located. Some notes on the greatest players in the game and much, much more. All of it is coming up next on RizzoCast. This is episode number 132. Let's welcome Coach Jeff back for a conversation and let's get started. Alrighty, and we are back with the legend himself. It is Jeff Ramirez. He's been on the show before. We just talked about this off air, talked about how he was uh, on episode number 49 and he's back here on episode number 132 coach jeff mista coach what's going on how's it going long time no see man it's going well uh got back from an abca meeting my first one man it, it kind of punks you as a coach I, I i went in there thinking i was i, I had baseball knowledge and i went there <laughs> and when i left i was like man i don't I got a lot to learn as a coach. My Lord, there are so many different things. So what an exciting time it is for baseball and yeah. offense that maybe we'll get into. Yeah, no, I can't wait for that conversation because I know that we're going to we're going to spit some takes all over the place. But I do want to talk about that meeting real quick because that was kind of a highly attended meeting by a lot of coaches all over the country. Was there like a blend of like old school, new school? Was it, you know, uh, just completely old school, completely new school? What, what did you kind of notice walking through the halls there? Yeah, I think that's a great way of of of, of looking at it, a, a blend of old school and new school. Um, the way these guys work, so I guess um, whoever wins the College World Series kicks it off, and it was Ole Miss. And he had videos of how they progressed throughout that season. And it just gave everyone in the room chills because I don't know. I don't know if you know this. I didn't know this, but they got in with like close to a 500 record to the college world series. They weren't wow. really like destroying teams. They got hot late and they just, you know, when you get hot late, that's the best time to be. And they just kind of rode that wave and, and beat some really, really good teams and, and, and won that World Series. Yeah, once you get in, once you get in, anything could happen. It's a crapshoot from there on out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean Nashville, right? It was in Nashville, Tennessee. Is that Nashville. right? I mean, did you apparently, have fun in, fun in Nashville? Broke records for how many people that attended. Nashville was amazing. It's such a beautiful city. Yeah, it's great. How long is that flight? Six hours, maybe, maybe more. Well, about five hours. Five Not too hours. bad. We had a layover. 
Yeah, it happens. <laughs> Denver yeah, yeah. is was it in Denver? Uh, first one was actually in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's but always, on the way it's back, it was there. Denver. Yeah, always either Denver or Vegas or Arizona. But no, that's cool that you got to go to that, and you uh, you got to meet someone special. You were just telling me about. Yeah, my my uh, one of the guys I grew up watching playing the game, Eric Burns. Eric Burns, what a, what an incredible man that dude is, man. He uh he actually knows or grew up with a guy that I played baseball with on Sundays, um, Jono Stovall. And I text my buddy, I'm like, hey, Eric Burns is here. And he's like, you have to mention my name. And so <clears throat> I thought <clears throat> I thought he was lying, to be honest with you. I was like, there's no way. And Eric Burns looked in my eyes and said, oh, I know Jono very well. And I was like, what? <laughs> We had a nice conversation. He actually, um, he actually uh, hooked me up with his hat right here, uh, and maybe we're going to use No Filter Network for Reardon Baseball, which is exciting. Ooh. Um yeah, yeah. Now he was, he, him and uh, Birdman Bats were were over there, the local guys that um, that fund these base players with these incredible bats. I have two of them myself. Yeah, no filter network. We were we had a quick stint there. Uh, Rizzo Cast had a quick stint on no filter network. It was fun. Uh, and and if you do do those those reared in baseball uh, broadcasts, uh, let me know and I'll get behind some of the microphone for some of those games. Just oh, that's end. exciting. <laughs> that's exciting. Uh, yeah, no, no, no Gotta... filter's good too. There's a lot of good things. Will Clark's on there quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a lot of random stuff on there too. He does nature things. Yeah, he's uh he's very active. It's very entertaining. Yeah, he does the one where he's running in the morning. Uh, yeah. I haven't been on there in a while. The, the morning, <laughs> I forgot what he calls it, the morning wake up or something. Morning hustle. Yeah. That's yeah. what it's called. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where he does like the little monologues and stuff. But yeah, no, very uh, hyper guy, I'd imagine. Uh, but did you tell him that you were like a Bay Area guy and everything? And uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Help? He was the one that actually offered the the network to me saying, hey, maybe you, you guys can uh, be my... Um, what did he call it? My experiment child, because I guess his assistant <laughs> lives right down the street from Reardon. Oh, wow. Okay. So we had a little meeting with the head coach and, and the, the managers and no filter network at how we, how we would get it done and what um, equipment we would use all that good stuff. And we actually have a couple of volunteers from the uh, journalism class. Hey, look at that. You, I don't know if you're aware of the journalism class at Reardon. Stephen uh, Risotto. Yeah, don't know, <laughs> don't know too much about them. I think I still have that record for the uh, the awards, but and I, I don't. I, I don't, will always have them. I don't. I don't flaunt that to a lot of people, Coach. So I'm just letting you know. Oh well, I do. So don't worry about that. <laughs> that's awesome. That's that's really cool that that's going to happen, uh, or hopefully going to happen. And I'm looking forward to watching those streams. Um, yeah, coaching. I mean, you're 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 starting another year coaching high school baseball in San Francisco at Reardon. Uh, it's a program that's near and dear to my heart as well. I mean, what's kind of your outlook? I know you're, you're coaching varsity. Uh, what's kind of your outlook on the team? How's the team looking? Team's looking good. Everybody has work to do, right? As a coach, I'm not going to say we're perfect. We're awesome. We're going to go undefeated. Um, but we have, we have some good leadership on this team and I'm really excited about that. Uh, puts us in a good position to, to deal with failure and, and to keep, putting one foot in front of the other no matter what happens which is very important in baseball right you're not you're not going to play a perfect game every time but uh that ability to 
to strike out, come back the next at bat with the utmost confidence and and put a battle together. That's going to be key in this division. You know, this division is stacked, man. We got Bellarmine, Seraph, St. Francis, Valley Christian. You know, these guys, SISH, these guys can play ball at mm-hmm. a high level. Um, and we need to compete with that. But we got some pitch. We got some pitching. That's uh, it's exciting. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, I, oh, you know me. I always like some good pitching on a, on a high school coaching. Is there anybody uh, that, that that could like you know change some arm angles and stuff, and you know change up their uh, their timing on hitters? Because that was always my cup of tea. You know, <clears throat> we have one guy that does that pretty, or maybe two guys that do that that are uh, that are off speed guys for sure. Um. But Sebastian and Sebastian Elsner and Mason Louie, they really put in some work and their fastballs, you know, are are really climbing on the velo ladder. So that's exciting. And then their off-speed plays with that. But I'm really impressed with Anthony and I'm really impressed with Israel. Yes, Israel. Yeah, shout out to Israel. Israel listens to the podcast, by the way. So yeah, he's my guy, man. He's developed this changeup over the years that that is you know, that is really helping him out, really helping him out. He's got a, he's got a plus off speed pitch and he's got a plus curveball. you know, um, Israel's I mean, freshman exciting. year, they called him mini Rizzo. <laughs> he wasn't, th- he wasn't throwing hard yet. You know, he was throwing strikes though. And now I heard he's like a completely different animal. So he's, he's throwing harder now. He's got the good off speed yeah. working. It's good to yeah, see. Yeah. He's a, uh... He's kind of a coach's dream in a sense that he doesn't stop working. He always wants to get better. He's not uh, stagnant when in his work. You know what I mean? He keeps sharpening his tools. It's very, it's uh, it's exciting to see him, you know, from his freshman to his sophomore to his junior, now his senior year. He's going to, he's going to eat up a lot of innings this year, whether he knows it, loves it, or hates it. He's going to be on that mound a lot. So he's going to, he's going to get plenty of opportunities to, uh, to help us out. That's awesome to hear. And you got a new coach. Is that, is, is that exciting? Is that a little weird? You know, I know coach Ramsey's listening. We want to shout out coach Ramsey, by the way, because oh, coach Ramsey, what he did for that program. And I know he's listening because you know, you guys are kind of boys. Oh, yeah. Um, it, I mean, he was so instrumental in that program. I know he played a big part in, in your life and my life and we definitely wish him well. Uh, but new coaching staff, tell me a little bit about it. Yeah. Brian Siner. Um, the transition has gone so smoothly because of how much time and effort he truly puts in. I mean, he's there. He's the first one to leave. He's the first one there and the last one to leave every single day. Um, he's really pouring his heart and soul out and the guys can really see it. Um, you know, it, it's, it's been a smooth transition, honestly. I don't think anybody can come in and do a better job. You know, he's such a good dude as far as like getting along with the players, getting along with the staff having a game plan, being open-minded with, uh, you know, what we do as a Reardon culture, right? You know, Dave Lynn, he's he's someone I strive to be, and we had to bring up, you know, the 9 plus 1 meetings. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Something I really look forward to, I, I, I hold near and dear to my heart, is uh, getting, you know, young men to understand life in general. And once you're comfortable with with you know giving it all and everything I'll, i'm gonna quote augie garrido how you do anything is how you do everything and so we can't just be amazing baseball players and be less than amazing people 
And that's what really that nine plus one and David Lynn really gets to the kids. So, and coach is really buying in. I mean, I saw coach taking notes on a nine plus one meeting. This is how serious this guy is taking this year. It's a, it's a really good feeling for us. Yeah. Do you, do you remember when we did the, uh, we did a team bonding exercise one time and we did, uh, we, we bit, there's like a, a maze, the coaches all built the maze and we raced through them. We had to like, go on all fours and crouch down and it was a race and and we raced in the hallway one day I just saw that video pop up on my like little memories section so uh, it's cool that they're still doing some of those those team bonding and those uh those exercises cuz i don't think in sports i don't think the the mental aspect is touched on and i think it's getting there i think that's really cool that a lot of teams have some some uh, mental coaches and such that are working with the guys cuz it becomes a grind sometimes, I'd imagine, for sure. No doubt. And you know what's interesting? I'm going to bring up the uh, ABCA is that I met uh, a mental coach at the Texas Rangers. I'm following her on Instagram. I think her name is Amanda, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sorry if I'm wrong. But Texas Rangers hired someone to be a mental coach. Mental Sweat mm-hmm. Mondays. Is she? That's her, that's her thing. She has gear about it and everything. And they... And her main point was letting everybody be themselves in a team setting. Like if you want to change somebody for the team, you're not getting the best out of them, which I thought was interesting because I think at times, especially in the past, I would try to change like who people were. And I, I don't think that's the right. You got to let them be themselves, but still with discipline. So it was, if some people are less than uh, nice people, we got to, <laughs> We got to change that. But for, for the most part, I mean, if, if major league teams are hiring people strictly for the mental toughness part, why wouldn't we invest in, in time like that as well? You bring up a really good point, Riz. Yeah, no doubt. And and you mentioned something really cool. You know, you want the guys to walk out of the program as not just, you know, better baseball players. That might not be even the second thing on your mind. It's more like better men, better individuals. Um do you see it happening? Do you like see it blossoming? Do you see like, you know, when you, when you tell someone to like, kind of, um, you know, you could work, you could tinker with a guy's swing, but you can't tinker with, you know, what's inside and, and what they have going on and, and, and being, being uh responsible individuals. Uh, so do you see it happening? Do you see them kind of maturing a little bit? I have the fortunate um, opportunity to work with the freshman group last year and see him develop this year. And I've been there, this is my fifth year. So I've known the seniors since their freshman year. Um, but I definitely see them maturing as they grow older. I think the best advice I got was be compassionate and have empathy for these, you know, they're teenagers. They're they're meant to fail. That's how they're going to succeed. That's how they're going to learn. So I, I kind of, um, I kind of let them fail in a sense that um, is positive, right? Like if I'm if I'm negatively, you know, pounding them down when they fail, they're not going to want to succeed. They're not going to want to go run through that brick wall for me. But if I kind of say, hey, you're not the first one to fail and you're not going to be the last one, you're going to be just fine. You just keep on going. I think that gives them a tool through life, right? Yeah, absolutely. That, you know, as leaders, we have to we have to understand that perfection is only a God thing. 
it's not a person thing. It's not a people thing. It's definitely not a baseball thing. So, so that's what I see. I see, I see kids failing, but then picking themselves up properly. That's, that's the key part, not staying down here when they fail, but step-by-step step, learning their failures. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, I guess, you know, the failures now we, we used to say that, oh, you know, if you succeed at the plate three out of 10 times, you're a hall of famer, but I think it might, the, the standards lowered a little bit. It's more like two and a half and you're a hall of two, <laughs> two and a half out of 10 and you're a hall of famer. I mean, uh, I, I know you're, you're a big, um, you know, in terms of statistics, you're a big old school guy and you still look at the batting average. When you look, when you watch games today, coach, can you see the batting average of even some of the great players in baseball uh, hovering around 225, 230, you know, two four. There's still your three hundred hitters, three twenty, you know, three fifteen, whatnot. But I mean, and a lot of people don't value batting average average anymore. What do you think about that when you watch those games and and see the batting average down? Yeah, I think. Um, well, I think pitching is at its all time high right now, so it's probably harder to hit than ever as far as velocity and stuff. Um, but it's funny. Didn't Cody Bellinger get like a pretty good lucrative deal for 20 million dollars 20 million well <laughs> if i looked up his stats i mean they probably wouldn't well, i mean his batting average did it top 230 last year i don't believe so no right so it it's kind of <laughs> it's in a sense that they paid him for what he could be rather than what he is right now um I mean, he was rookie. He had 40 home runs his first full year in the bigs. Mm -hmm. He's an MVP, rookie of the year, yeah. MVP, right? And, and you know, pitching, pitching, they're pitching him tough, and he's finding it hard to hit, but he does have that clutch gene, doesn't he? You find yeah. him in the playoffs, he's still a threat. Yeah. I think <laughs> this is funny. Did you hear what Aubrey Huff had to say? What did he say? He said something like, Hey kids, if you strive to hit 220 and strike out this many times, you can make $20 million in the big leagues. Um, he, he, you know, he's a little bitter. He was born at the wrong time and he was a really good hitter. But I think, you know, Bellinger is very versatile. He can play any position on the outfield and he also plays first base and he's still an offensive threat. Um, so, you know, I, but I think this year, man, how I think the averages are going to skyrocket. No. No shift mm -hmm. and a pitch clock. So that do you like the less... shift? Do you like the the banning of the shift or not? Whether I like it or not is happening. But the reason I don't like it like, personally is because you're changing the genius of of the of the coaching and and scouting. Mm. Now there's just like you know, line up and play. You you what? So the hitter has to have. The hitter has to be ready before seven seconds, and the pitcher has to throw before. So it's so it's fifteen. So with nobody on base, the pitcher has to throw the ball in fifteen seconds. There's a time counter. There's a counter, and it's counting from fifteen down to zero. And the batter has to be in the box and and alert. That's the word they're using. The batter has to be alert <laughs> um, at eight seconds. So from 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8. And if the batter's not alert at 8 seconds, he gets an automatic strike. 
against him. And the pitcher, if he takes too long and that 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 uh, pitch count go, or the pitch clock goes to zero, then he gets a ball against him. So I mean, it, it's it's pretty interesting. I mean, it kind of takes it back a little bit. The game was was pretty quick way back when, like thirty years ago. There was no three hour and thirty minute games. So they're trying to get the pace up. It's not necessarily less baseball, but it's less dead time. So it's kind of interesting, actually. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think about it? I mean, there's a lot of factors here. And I think it's all pointing towards more offense. Yeah. If if you think about it, right, if I if I told you you got to have, you know, you got to have 70 push-ups in 60 seconds, <laughs> you would get tired pretty quickly, right? But if I said you got 70 push-ups in two minutes, it's just a different pace. Now, pitchers have to pitch at an extremely quicker pace, which means, in my opinion, you're going to have to have more meetings about um, pitch selection. Like, what what are you going to throw here on a 01 or a 10 or a 112102? Yeah. Right, you're going to have to know exactly in what count what you're going to throw. Because to me, pitchers would pitch and then they would have time to think about their next pitch. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have that time anymore, Riz. They're gonna they're gonna have to step up their their pace, which means I think offensively it's a little easier to hit. Because if I see 99 and I see 30 seconds in between where I don't see a pitch, and then I see 99 again, it's it's like I I have to my timing is gonna be slightly different. But if I'm seeing 99 and then 10 seconds later I see 99, and then 10 seconds later I see 99, mm-hmm. I'm in a, I'm in a good rhythm. Right. You you start yeah. throwing off speeds. I'm still in that 10 second rhythm. Yeah. Right. So I think it's going to be easier for hitters. I think it's going to be way tougher on pitchers. You're going to have to throw quicker. And I think there's going to be a lot more arm injuries now. Not not only are you going to throw 90 pitches, but you're going to have to throw 90 pitches in about an hour and a half instead of two and a half hours. So everything just points to more offense to me. And then the shift. My Lord, <laughs> what? what? <laughs> I mean, we're just like taking away everything the pitcher has to to offset the hitter's timing. Well, if you think about it, it's everything, every rule that MLB has ever implemented has gone against the pitcher. So like in the late 60s, when pitching was really, really good, they had to lower the mound just to get, you know, on the same level, right? Pitching again. Thank Bob Gibson for that. Yeah. Pitching again, really, really good. They had to add a DH. Okay. Pitching again, really, really good. They had to crack down on sticky substances after every <laughs> inning. Okay. Pitching really, really good. Oh, you don't have the shift anymore. Pitching really, really good. You guys have to speed up now. You can't walk it. And I do, you know, there are some guys that are hard to watch where they're taking 45 seconds in between and they're tying their shoes five times. But I'm kind of indifferent on the pitch clock. I, you know, I want to see a little bit more of it. Um, I like the idea of pace. I think like we need pace with everything we do. Like every sport needs pace. But the timer just I never thought that I'd see a timer in baseball. It's just it's it's like I think baseball's bowed down upon are bowed down too because there's no clock. That's like the beauty of it, right? We're you know, it's great. Mm-hmm. There's no clock in baseball. And now we got this big old clock counting down 15, 20 seconds. Um, 
I mean, it, it is weird that it's gotten to this point, and I, I really hope a game, a meaningful game, doesn't end with a violation. You know, and and how are they going to count up the stats? Like, do you count a strikeout for a guy who got to 0-2 but then gets a violation in his favor? Like, you know, there's certain things where it's like really weird. But I will say the one thing that I will help with, and I think you know, you as a guy who played up the middle and played defense, um, it's going to help those guys be on their feet. And I think it, you know, it, it's going to give them a little bit more uh, a pre-pitch um, setup there that they're going to have because they're not going to be waiting in between pitches, but. Uh, I do agree. It's going to be a lot harder to, you know, gather your thoughts as a pitcher. And Alex Cobb, as an example today in a spring training game, Alex Cobb said he felt like more of a thrower than a pitcher because he felt rushed. And that's the last thing anybody wants is to feel rushed. Well, you bring up so many good points. And I didn't even think about the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s rule changes as far as yep. hindering the pitcher, man. That's... They hate they hate dominant pitching. MLB <laughs> they hates hate... dominant pitching. They hate great pitching. You're absolutely right. You brought up a great point with the defense as well about how they can be in rhythm. Maybe defense is going to be at its all-time high, but there's no there's no shift. Yeah. So I'm thinking like guys like Jock Peterson, I think are going to bat 300. There's going to be so many lefties, these power lefties that can that can hook any pitch. They're going to be on first base instead of you know running back to that dugout. And yeah. It, it's exciting for for hitters. It's in, it, it's incredibly hindering for pitchers. Um, yeah, and hitters you know, could like you know hitters are going to get a chance to hit the ball in the screws and not see a guy standing in right field. <laughs> so yeah, they're going to be they're going to be looking for. I mean, there's still going to be some shifts. I think, you know, I think you're going to see the uh, the shortstop get as close to behind second base as possible, like as as much as he's allowed to. But one thing on the infield is like. You gotta have range to play second base now. Like you, the range to that position is coming back because you can't. That stick. is such a great point. We you had can't this talk stick. actually. Me and, yeah. me and Ramsey had this talk actually. You're gonna have to draft shortstops and put them at second base now. Which I mean, they kind of do anyway. Everybody out there used to play shortstop at one point, but you're actually gonna have to have a major league quality shortstop guy play second base. There's no more of that. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't want to bash anybody but guys like dj lemayhew who came up as a second baseman he was so tall and i mean that max muncie max <laughs> right? Mun- yeah max muncie gets starts point. at wow, second he, base yeah i would never yeah. put him at second if if a big lefty was hitting now if you're yeah. not allowed to be on the so you're not allowed to be on the grass either right no nope. you can't you can, even back up on the grass yeah that's a you know i think it would have been a better thing if they made it so two guys on the on one side of the bag, two guys on the other instead of the grass. Because I think, you know, if a guy should be able to stand on the grass, I think, if yeah, there's like two guys on the right. A couple of steps, that's not a big deal. You're just, I mean, that's a smart choice when you got big hitters up. And now, yeah. they're, I mean, they're, like you said, they hate good pitching. Now they're kind of leaning towards, you know, they hate defense. <laughs> yeah. I think what's happened is that just like, the offensive approach has changed so much. And like, I think maybe they're thinking that cause like, Oh, you know, guys would try to launch the ball and, and create big launch angle because they wanted to hit the ball over the shift, not through the shift. Uh, right. But I think like the shift, like, I mean, they're still going to try to hit homers like, cause homers is how you get paid. The OPS Absolutely. goes up, the war goes up and teams pay based off the extra base hits. So I think like the idea that this is going to create like 20 more Pete Roses and 20 more Tony Gwens, like 
I don't think so. I think batting averages will go up, but um, I'm interested to see because Ryan Howard, his career ended because of the shift. You bring up so many amazing <laughs> points, Chris. You, it's like you've been doing this for a while or something. <laughs> Strange. You know what? I I, I want to see someone who's an incredible pull hitter. They bring the right fielder in because they don't have any mm. rules about about outfield shifts, do they? No. So the, if, if a big left-handed hitter's up, you could bring the left fielder over. Yeah. Uh, so I'm thinking we might see a lot more of that, which is so bizarre to me because all you have to do really if you – you know, is just hit a pop-up, just kind of baby it to a place where they're not. But then again, are you going to make less money hitting that single or double? Or are you, mm-hmm. you going to try to make millions hitting it over everybody's head? Yeah. You know, what's funny is that uh, whenever I think of the shift, I think of um, Johnny Cueto was pitching one time and the Giants had the over shift on and it was some left-handed hitter that was hitting. Uh, I think it was Mike Moustakis, who was with the Reds at the mm-hmm. time. And they had the overshift on, you know, the second baseman in shallow right, the shortstop on the right of second, third baseman playing short. And Cueto's throwing like little two seamers down and away. And I'm thinking like that, if Mike Moustakis like hits that, that's going right to where third base would be. And sure enough, a little doink, you know, swinging bunt up the third baseline and nobody's there. So it's like, was that, was that in the playoffs? I can't remember, but. My like the main thing is like if you have a deep if you're gonna shift, pitch into the shift. Like yeah, it makes no exactly. sense to pitch away from the shift. So well, it's a game. It's like a game of chess, right? Everybody shifts. You're thinking you're getting something middle in, and here comes a two seam away. Like yeah. it's kind of like a mind freak game. Like, wait, why are you doing that? <laughs> why do you think I'm doing that? Yeah, <laughs> you know. But exactly. yeah, no, it never made sense to me. But everything's a mind game, right, with these guys that make millions of dollars playing a game. It's an yeah. interesting uh, – I want to see it play out. This year is going to be insane to me. There's going to be so many new things that that I'm 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 not going to get used to seeing. A pitch clock, no shift. The bigger bases? The second base. The let's bases are about, bigger? Let's talk about, yeah, bases are bigger yeah. for Altuve. Um <laughs> Let's talk about the uh, uh, base runner or pitcher's rule regarding base runners. That's mm. one I'm not familiar with. Yeah, so basically, uh, if you have a guy on first base or a guy anywhere on the bases, you have two, and they're calling them disengagements. So a disengagement is a pickoff attempt. That's one disengagement. Uh, another pickoff attempt would be another disengagement. Uh, a step-off is a disengagement. Um, there might be a few others. So basically a step off, pick off attempt. Those are all disengagements and you only get two per at bat. So my word. So if there's a guy, if there's, <laughs> if, if you're listening, then coach Jeff right now is face palming. Uh, so anyways, so if there's a runner at first and you throw over, okay, you throw over, that's one, you don't get them. Okay. Throw over again. You don't get them. Okay. You could throw over one more time, but you have to get them. You have to get him. And if you don't get him, it's a balk. So you can only throw over twice. And on the third time, you have to get them. You have to get them. So the first thing that I thought when they put this rule in is like, I don't think like there's too many guys that throw over to first a lot anyways. So it's like, no. you know, it's kind of, and, and B first and thirds when that happens, that's going to be wild. 
Like, can you imagine if you use up your your pickoff moves or your your pickoff throws, and you have guys at first and third? Like, imagine what chaos that's going to be. <laughs> so, it's it's weird. And the pitch clock, right? Is there a pitch clock with runners on? Yeah, the so pitch clock's get... going to be part of it too. Yeah, it's twenty seconds with runners on in oh fifteen seconds. So the pitch clock, if the pitch clock's going down, right? Three, two, like the guy at first is going to take off. Right, because like he knows the pitch clock's winding down, especially if you have no more engagements or disengagements, whatever they're called. I don't care, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely okay, going to change. Okay. I actually, with the passion, hate this this new rule. This mm-hmm. is ridiculous to me. This is you're you're taking away every single tool a pitcher has to stop you from scoring runs or going to the next base. This is, uh, I'm dumbfounded, Riz. I'm du- Could you imagine Ricky Henderson in this day and age with these rules? He would get 200 stolen bases. Yeah. Well, he would try and draw a throw twice, right? Yeah. And then he'll know that, okay, this guy, he could throw over again, but he has to get me. And he could walk into second base. And now there's no more lefty reads. I mean, that's just... Oh man. Yeah, it's a little different. And did you see that they're the the permanent uh extra inning rule is going in too with the runner starting at second base to start extra innings? I thought they should have delayed that. I thought we should start extra innings with nobody on, and then maybe if we get to the eleventh or twelfth or thirteenth, then you do it. Yeah, one time through a bit. Yeah. But we're we're gonna do that in the World Series, Riz. I yeah. mean, what are we doing? Yeah. Well, actually, I don't know if it's still in the World Series. It might be only in the regular season, but that's a good point against it because if something is done in the regular season and not in the postseason, I mean, that just tells you that's a pretty bad rule that they're not using it in the post, you know? So, I mean, Amen. but you know, what's interesting about that is that the teams, since it started, the record for away and home team with the guy starting at second base, it's almost 500. So... It's uh, I, that shocked me too. I thought the home team would have the clear advantage, Whoa. but it's almost five hundred. Well, because the first team, because the first team has the opportunity to get that run in, so you're probably so you feel like maybe there's more pressure if you're down one or two runs with only one runner at second. I I can understand that. I get it. Yeah, and but I don't I mean, think the away team is going to. Let me bunt. ask you this. Yeah. 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 Let me ask you this though. If you know. A home, let's say the the away team doesn't score. The home team comes up and knocks him in right away. That ERA doesn't go to that pitcher, right? That earned run doesn't go to the pitcher. I don't think it does. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it does. So, so how do we record that run? It's I don't know. BI. Yeah, just like how do we record the uh, like if it's a strikeout on a on a pitch count violation? How do, who who gets the strikeout? Oh my lord! Do we this give a strikeout this... to a guy that only threw two strikes? <laughs> So <laughs> guys are going to break strikeout records with least amount of pitches. Yeah, exactly. 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 That's uh, a good point. This, oh. I mean, it's, it's kind of getting out of hand here, but I mean, major league guys, they, they're going to find a way to deal with it and be competitive. But as a baseball fan, I just think, I mean, we're, we're going to have consistent 15 to 13 scores now. Like yeah. I, I think the, the Cy Young Award winner is going to win with a five point four ERA. <laughs> I mean, this is this is ridiculous. 
Yeah, I, I think that I think the pitch clock will eventually like. I think we're gonna eventually forget about it. Uh, I think it's gonna get to the point where these guys are gonna get so good. There's gonna be maybe one violation a game, right? Because yeah. like it's gonna naturally. And the minor league guys are used to it. They've had it for a few years in the minor leagues. So like it's right. really a change for like, you know, the Max Scherzers and the Justin Verlanders of the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pitchers and the the veteran players who have not had like a, you know, minor league time in a long time. It's going to be hard for them to adjust. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is what I mean. Baseball, the commissioner's office, they've been complaining about pace of play for a while. They want to get the casual fan involved, and you know, shaving off twenty minutes is that really going to do anything? Why would you ever want less baseball as a baseball fan? It just blows my mind that if you want less baseball, guess what, Riz? I don't think you're a true baseball fan, and we shouldn't change rules for you. But that's just my opinion. I don't work in the major league front office. I'm not there telling them that. So, and now you really won't. <laughs> <laughs> you're on record. <laughs> oh, I'm done. I'm done. Put a fork in me, or someone's gonna hire me. You know, first take would hire me. Oh yeah. All I have to do is just, you know, make up ridiculous things and I'll get real famous. Yeah, exactly. First take will will hire you and you could just yell, blasphemy. Yeah. And it's just blasphemy. go, yeah. Skip. Blasphemy. Skip. Skip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All those guys, they're all talking heads and they there's really no repercussions for any of them when they say something that's outlandish or even um horrible or or not even based off uh day or whatever it's it's that's a different conversation uh but anyways how do you think about these giants anything going on uh any predictions for this giants team i know you're a big fan the wave of emotions um i was really i was really depressed uh, not depressed but i was really like angry that we didn't sign judge or correa but you know what we got like five Mm all-stars you know a two-time gold glove award winner Sean Manaya, I'm pretty sure, was an all-star, right? Yeah, or at that level for sure, yeah. R- Ross Stripling was an all-star. I saw him give up a home run in the all-star game, <laughs> I believe. Um, or was it – it might have been somebody else. Ross, Ross Stripling's up there. And then you got Mitch Haniger. If he's healthy, he's going to hit you 20 to 30 bombs. And then you got Michael Conforto, who's an absolute stud if he's healthy. I mean, these guys are – they remind me of the 1010 Giants where no one's going to hit 40 – but you might have five or six guys that hit 20 to 30. You know, guys mm-hmm. like um, who's that third baseman we got from the Mets? What's his name? Uh, uh, Connor Gillespie. Oh, no, sorry. Eduardo no. Nunez. Was it Eduardo Nunez? No, no. He come um, from the Mets. I can't think of his name, but he can hit, man. That dude can hit. And I'm excited for J.D. Davis. J.D. Davis, there yeah, it is. I, I was thinking dude. of Giants of years past for some reason. My <laughs> mind kind of went back a few years. I don't know what I was talking about. J.D. Davis, yeah. Yeah, but this is what the Giants really remind me of, just a bunch of high-quality dudes at every position. I think we're a little bit deeper this year. Um, what I, I think the big question mark is, like, the bullpen in between our starters and our closer. I don't really have a lot of knowledge of what our, uh, our roster is going to look like right now. But I know we do have a lot of young talent in the minor leagues, but the Giants kind of drag their foot with minor league talent, don't they? They really don't bring them up. They're not in a big hurry. Uh, Some of the guys, actually, they have been. Like Kyle Harrison's flown up through the minor leagues. He's that big lefty from De La Salle that everybody's talking about. Uh, They have a third baseman that went through three levels last year, Casey Schmidt. 
Uh, but no, I agree with you. I think they had, they're a lot better than they were last year. And honestly, they finished 500 last year. So if they're a little bit better than last year, then they're possibly a playoff team. Because remember, there's more postseason spots. And the Phillies got in with like 85, 86 wins. So like yeah, yeah. And the Giants, their big thing, they couldn't catch the ball last year. It was the worst defensive team they've ever had in history. But um, I thought the judge thing and um, Aaron Judge, who should be known not as an MVP, but as Tom Harlan's former teammate at Fresno State, um, <laughs> Aaron Judge, I, I think he played them in free agency. I mean, that's kind of what you do. He got leverage and the Yankee he made the Yankees sweat a little bit. And the Correa thing was kind of unfortunate. But uh and by the way, Mitch Hanniger was the WCAL receptions leader until 2019. Did you know that? <laughs> where where did he go? He went to Archbishop Mitty. He went to Mitty? He went to Mitty. Mitch Hanniger is a Mitty monarch. The wide receiver? Wide receiver at Mitty. Wow. wow. Yeah. I did not know that. So, yeah, and he's a guy that has a 39 home run season just a few years ago. So Yeah, that's he's no joke. He's a no joke hitter, man. He stays healthy. He he may be an MVP our MVP definitely if Jock doesn't get shifted on and I think Jock this I think this is going to be his breakout year as far as no what are they going to play him at first now? Are they getting him? He's probably going to DH. He's probably going to DH. First base That's may be exactly. in an emergency, but yeah, I think he I'm, he needs to play five out of six games this year. He needs to really. We need to play the crap out of that guy, man. He can. And Jock's another guy who former high school football player. Yeah, at Palo Alto was... High School. He was the number one wide receiver at Palo Alto. You know who the number two? You probably know this. You know who the number two wide receiver was. It may or may not have been Devontae Adams. It was Devontae Adams, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Giant, yeah. they, they, they're good at getting a lot of the Bay Area guys in here because they got Hanniger from Mitty. Uh, Logan Webb's not too far away in Rockland. Shamanaya pitched in Oakland. So they got a lot of guys that are very comfortable with the Bay Area and that have been here yeah. before. And, uh, you know, Crawford, of course, East Bay guy, Pleasanton. So, um they do a good job on that front, recruiting some of the the local boys. Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to Crawford. I think last year, I think he was dealing with injuries. He wasn't telling anybody, right? And, I mean, if you don't love Brandon Crawford, then I don't love you. Let's just <laughs> get that out of the way. Who who doesn't love, you know, the, the longest-tenured giant? Now, random question. I'm going to quiz you here, Riz. Okay, okay. Do you know who the second longest-tenured giant is on this team? Second longest tenure giant on this team. I'm going to take a wild guess and say that it's Mike Yastrzemski. Oh, you nailed it. Absolutely yeah. nailed it. I, I heard it in KNBR uh, a couple of days ago, and I thought it'd be a great question to ask you, but you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it seems, seems like Yastrzemski just got here, right? Like, seems like he Yeah. He a couple years, like 2020 was his yeah. breakout year? 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope he has a good year. He's, you know. And I know that the uh, the 2021 season was kind of an outlier. Maybe they were a little bit ahead of schedule and had a random year for the ages. But uh, I was surprised to see that Gabe Kapler and Farhan Zaidi, since they've been to San Francisco, their record is above 500. They have, I mean, they it's it's a little interesting to, to see that based on the criticism they've gotten. But um, I think uh, that the players like to play for for Kapler and. Um, 
I think they did have a good off season this this uh this time around, but we'll see. A no tough division. Tough division. <laughs> yeah. Gavin Lux is is out for the year. That that guy, I was kind of even though he's a Dodger, I think he was an absolute stud. He's such a good ball player. I was kind of looking forward to watching him play. He's out for the year, torn ACL. And he was gonna break he was gonna break out this year too. <laughs> I mean, like he really look at the was. guys. That they was lost. a guy I was not looking forward to. Yeah. I Trey- was, but wasn't. Hopefully yeah. he beat up on the on the Padres the diamondbacks for us a little bit but yeah he was gonna get yeah. some playing time too because they just lost trey turner they just lost justin turner so yeah. i mean that Absolutely. left side opened up for him and yeah it's kind of and too that's bad why they happened. got rid of him right because they knew their replacement could really handle it yeah that's, yeah it's, it's funny they got rid of the turners on the left side right and then they go put you know who they replace him with gavin lux and max muncie at third so it's like they have these great in-house options too. Imagine that yeah. depth. It's pretty wild. Yeah. But yeah. San Diego, they got all the names with the uh, Bogarts and Machado and Tatis. Oh, and they're scary. I mean, they're scary. I, I mean, that's just a wicked team. Uh, pitching might be where you could get them, maybe a little bit. But Musgrove broke his toe or something like that. I saw that, that in the weight room. In the weight room. Oh. Oof. I think I could picture how that happened. Drop the dumbbell. <laughs> yeah, that's not fun. They shouldn't be out for too long, though, right? He should be yeah. out maybe six weeks. Yeah, I I feel like he could still pitch with a broken toe. No, right? Depending on the toe, big toe, I think I think you're hindered quite a bit. Smaller mm-hmm. toes, I think you should be all right. Yeah, I'm sure some of them have like broken toes that they play with that have not gotten fixed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and no uh, one bunts anymore, so you don't have to worry about really covering your position. Yeah, hopefully it's not on the foot where he pushes off or anything. Or I guess landing foot would be bad too. Just not, yeah, avoid breaking toes in the weight room, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Go Amen. tell your players that, please. <laughs> Amen. You know who I think could surprise some people in our division is the Diamondbacks. Oh yeah. I really think they got good talent over there. I, I watched them last year. Um, they have they great at bats, don't they? Yeah, they can hit, man. They really can hit. They're scary good on, offensively, but I, you know, their pitching isn't the best in the division. So I think that's where they're going to get hurt. And if if you don't have amazing pitching this year, if you're not A plus, you're B minus, you're you're going to feel it this year with these new rules changes. Yeah. So you better invest. You got to invest in some pitching if you're the GM, man. And I think Shamanaya, like you meant, because Shamanaya had a rough year last year, but like the Giants, if anything, under this like new coaching staff and everything, they prove that they're really good at unlocking pitchers. They do it every year. Rodon, uh, Gosman, DiSclafani that one year. I mean, they unlock them, you know. So this is a great place for Manaya to come for a year, kind of establish value and pitch good for them but yeah the diamondbacks one quick thing on them i remember after a, a logan webb start last year gabe kapler said um these guys have given us much uh as much trouble as anybody and that's yeah. talking about a fourth place team yeah that's wild and and uh it was the first and only start in logan webb's career uh, career where he didn't have one single strikeout in like six innings now that's interesting this with his stuff, well, if they were at Arizona, I can get it because with that, I guess with the air, you, you your ball doesn't move as much, right? They talk mm-hmm. about that in spring training a lot. The sinkers don't sink as much. The off-speeds don't break as much. But still, I mean, you're 
you're you're someone throwing 95 with two seam sink that's that's tough to deal with and you're and you haven't struck anybody out yeah i think that's a telltale sign of how good they really are yeah they're definitely on the rise no doubt about it yeah um i feel like there was something else we were going to mention and i forgot what it Mm. was but um yeah, I mean, we hit a lot. I, oh, I, I want to ask you about the umpire thing because, and we we probably could have gone to this earlier, but do you think that there's going to be an automatic strike zone in baseball in the coming years? I truly hope not, and I'll tell you why. It's because you're you won't even have to invest in a good major league catcher anymore. That's right. All I agree need, with you. All you would need is someone with a pretty good arm and someone that can block. Receiving is such a beautiful science to me that if if we go to an automatic strike zone, I could I'll, I'll put an outfielder back there, just catch mm-hmm. the ball. If it's over the plate, they're going to call the strike, and it, it kind of takes away from the guy. Because in the major leagues, catchers get paid millions of dollars just to be a good catcher. They can bat two oh eight with four home runs. They- and get 14 15 million dollars a year because they can handle that pitching staff yeah. and they can block and they can throw people out so you're taking away the be- I mean but this is what the major league does right they don't like defense they don't like pitching it doesn't sell coach take away from the catcher it doesn't sell uh, uh, the what kids do as coaches man yeah the kids like the bat flips and the homers and the and the throwing 95 they don't they don't like the pitching so I really wish we had a time machine to some of these Bob Gibson's, Tom Seaver, and and uh, Nolan Ryan. If you bat flipped off of one of those guys, you would probably <laughs> lose your life that day. <laughs> yeah, there would there would not only be words, there would be physical things happening to you. You would think twice about bat flipping against guys that were were that intense. You know? I remember asking Coach but Ramsey it, it, about this when Coach Ramsey came on. And I was like, are you a big bat flip guy? And I'd always wanted to ask. And I think I knew, I already knew the answer. And he was like, <laughs> he said something along the lines of, yeah, well, it's a little bit different now. He's like, that wouldn't happen, you know, back when, back when we played. So, and he's right. It would, I mean, you know, and, and now, I mean, if you like, if you drill a guy, it's not even worth it. Cause you're just going to get hit with a four or five game suspension, you know? There's no longer, there's no such thing as guys kind of policing themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's the game's shifting and it only care about offensive way. And, um, and my main thing is that, yeah, my main thing is, and you and I, we send each other good stuff on Instagram all the time, great videos, highlights and stuff. And it's awesome. And I always say, this is like been something that I've said a lot on this, but a kid, a 13-year-old kid could look on Instagram and watch a guy hit a 500-foot homer, bat flip, and then he could also watch an, the next video of a guy throwing 95, blowing hitters away. But by the time it gets to first and third, nobody out, they don't know what they're doing with the baseball. Boy, you bring up such a good point of the game that, um, you know, highlights only, right? Yeah. How how many kids watch bunt defenses? How many kids watch, you know, a pick play? How many kids watch, you know, a first and third crash trying to get a runner out of third with with the shortstop going? There there's there's not enough like 
passion for the for the little details. It's all home run or ninety nine or nothing, right? Because we all get our information now in fifteen second blasts. Absolutely, it's a it, it you know it's a problem for the youth, and you can you can see it. I see it. I mean, I see it on our team a little bit. Yeah, go ask them who their favorite player is, and I wonder what the answers are going to be. You know, let's see if there's some like diversity with the answers and it's not all just Mike Trout. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, so let's go, let's go your top five without Mike Trout. Oh, okay. Um, well, number one, I got to go Otani. I'm going to go with Shoei Otani. Yeah. Number one. He's, I mean, he's doing amazing things offensively. He's a top line starting pitcher and anytime, as long as he's doing both at a high level, he's number one. Cause we have never seen anything Absolutely. like him. No, you're right. Um, number two, I mean, I think I'm gonna roll with Judge. I mean, I think it's hard it's it's hard not to put Aaron Judge on there. Um, number three, man, you put me on the spot. Number three, I think I'm gonna go with um I think Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts would be a good third third. I mean, just a pure athlete in every sense of the word. We, he might get some time at second base from what I heard. Came up as a That's second fun. baseman. I'm excited for that. Um Oh, number four. I think, I think you got to put, you know, Manny Machado there somewhere. Um, he's, he goes as much as we hear about him in the media and everything. The guy just goes down and posts he plays every day. He's going to put up the same numbers every year. Um, and then number five, I feel like I'm missing someone, but. Ooh, Arnado's a good choice. Arnado Goldschmidt. All those guys are great choices. Still mine. I just, I feel like I'm forgetting someone, you know, great. Freddie Freeman's another good one too. I'll put a pitcher in there. I'll put a pitcher. I'll put, um, I'll be nice and I'll put, um, Ooh, what pitchers are out there? You know, (laughs) that's another thing. DeGrom's out there, but he's not, he never pitches and he's never healthy. Yeah. He guys hurt. I'll go with, I'll go with the, Goldschmidt. I'll let you take the 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 Arnado pick there. What about you? Beautiful. Beautiful. I got a couple of the same ones. I would um I would go Judge Arenado. I uh I'm really enjoying Pena's game from Houston. He's good. Yeah. I really, you know, you win a World Series, it's your first full year and you dominate the the postseason. I think you're one of the best and most exciting players on the field, no doubt. Um, I, I'm definitely putting Freddie Freeman up there. Uh, I just looked at the stats before we came on. He was top five in almost every offensive category. Um, I got Mookie Betts as well, just because he's like he's like our our modern day Willie Mays, where he can kind of do everything well: mm-hmm. hit, run, play defense, throw you out. Right. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna go kind of off the beaten path here. I'm gonna go Julio Rodriguez. Oh, nice! What a talent that guy is, man. Nice. What an incredible talent. What a great swing. Great. He plays center field, if I'm not mistaken. Center field. Yeah, and so he's like modern-day Ken Griffey, just mashing balls over the fence and making great plays. So that those are my guys right now. And I like the fact that Rodriguez just signed a long-term deal to stay in Seattle because I love the guys that stay in one uniform. It's It's yeah. like a forgotten thing now. I think like they're and it's a forgotten thing, especially. I mean, you look at the NBA; these guys want to move every year, <laughs> but in baseball, like the guys that stay in one uniform, 
they're always more, you know, we remember them. Their legacy like carries a bigger weight. Like just think of the guys that have stayed in one uniform, Jeter, Chipper Jones, you know, um, yeah, Jimmy. Oh, no, Ronald, Bonds or, came up as a pirate. Bon, or, yeah, sorry. Bonds. Bonds was a pirate, but um, we remember him as a John, McCovey. Uh, although McCovey went other places a few years, but um, those guys, those one team guys, Joe Mauer in Minnesota was that guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many of them, but they're they're just more iconic. There's something about them. Yeah, than guys that play everywhere. Absolutely, and I think what another thing too is they there it's just this comfortability of you know where you're going to be the next five years so i yeah. just think more comfortable in the box you're more comfortable in center field if the if i don't really care what anybody says it's human nature if you're if your name is on the trading block and they're writing you know articles about you may go this you may go here you may go there you're getting asked in the media every day where you're going to go there has to be some subconscious thing affecting you at the plate and on defense if you don't feel like you're wanted by the team you're playing for. Mm-hmm. So I think you're absolutely right. There's this there's this sense of comfortability if you're going to sign there long term. Good on Seattle for signing him, man. That's going to be a that's going to be a good team for for a long for a couple of years now. Yeah, I'll give you another name that sticks out. Who like I was I knew he was good, but at the postseason when I saw him play during the postseason. Houston Astros DH Jordan Alvarez, Ooh, monster. Dangerous. Watch this guy left on left, the way he keeps his front shoulder in. Like he's one of the most balanced guys, one of the most balanced hitters in baseball. Monster, yeah, yeah. monster, absolute has, monster. And he has light tower power. I've never seen a guy go dead center in Houston on top of the new pavilion there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That power, I mean, ugh. Jesus Christ, you know who we forgot? You know who we we forgot? Bryce Harper. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, ooh, Bryce, if you're listening, we didn't forget about you. You're you're there. We wanted to, we should have started off this segment by saying not Mike Trout, not Bryce Harper. Yeah. That's how it should have went down because they're (laughs) they're the obvious choice. How good of a postseason did he have? He was electric. And he, like, he's, he's matured. I mean, like, look. When he first came up, everybody was like, who's this guy, 19 years old, coming up and acting like this? And now, like, he's he's almost off the grid. And I think it's because he's chilled out a little bit. He's calmed down. He puts his head down. He works. And he's exciting. He shows emotion during games. He's a guy. He's going to hit a home run. He's going to act. You know, he's going to run around the bases. You know, he's he's just a guy, you know. And, yeah. And uh, I know he's having Tommy John. He's going to be out for a little bit, but hopefully we see him towards the end of the year and maybe help the Phillies get to another postseason push. Are you going to watch the WBC also by any chance? No doubt. I am so pumped for that. No doubt. It's one of my favorite things that baseball does. Oh, yeah. The Dominican Republic team is basically an (laughs) all-star team. My Lord. They have a great infield. They, They have to be the favorites walking in. Yeah. No doubt with their with their staff and their players. Whew. Are USA you uh, always... if I'm not Good. if I'm not you mistaken, know? are you a Puerto Rican guy? Are you like a I am you... mostly Puerto Rican, a little bit Mexican, a little bit Swedish, Irish, Austrian. I don't know if Sweden, Ireland, or Austria have a team, but so you have a couple yes. horses in the race. You got USA, you got Puerto Rico. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna And I got Mexico, so yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's going to be exciting. Go Italy. <laughs> Go Italy. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Italy's uh, got who? a CSM Bulldog on their team. Miles Mastroboni. CSM, oh. I interviewed him for a story. He's in the, uh, the uh, he came up with the Rays last year. He's now in the Cubs organization. But Miles Mastroboni is going to be playing for a Mike Piazza managed Team Italy. Really cool. What position does he play? He's an infielder. So he plays short. He's a utility guy. He plays second, short, third. He'll be playing for Team Italy. Uh, can't wait for that. But um, is yeah, he US... an area guy? Did he go? Yeah, Did Livermore. Go on... Oh, okay. Granada All High right. School. So I'm gonna be rooting for him. Yes, Italy. Yeah, him. it's, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. And one thing, because like, if you look at the pitching for a lot of these teams, it's like okay, right? And I'll give you an under like a a, a dark horse in this because they're going to have the pitching team Japan. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, they they play the game the right way too, didn't they? Win back to back World uh, Baseball. They classics? did. They did. So it's interesting because you know, like the Venezuela, Puerto Rico, Dominican, USA, a lot of their big you know pitching stars are already in the big leagues, and they don't want to commit, right? Mm-hmm. But Japan, mm-hmm. they take this so seriously. They're going to have all their aces out there. They're going to, because you know how many pitchers that we've seen uh, in the WBC who come over to the United States a few years later? Like, that's the first time we saw you, Darvish, Tanaka. I mean, they're going to, they're going to be a tough team. They're really good. That's a a good hot take right there. You heard it first, Riz. Now I'm excited to watch Japan. Yeah. Japan. Might have to watch them at three in the morning or something, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Set the alarm early. Well, I know your alarm is already set early. A little Um, bit, yeah. Yeah, no, this is awesome, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, I mean, I'm sure we could talk for like three more hours. Uh, yeah. and, and you'll definitely be on again. Again, open invitation anytime you want to come on. And uh, I'm going to come out to uh, a lot of the games this year. Hopefully, uh, me and uh, Elsner, big Elsner, who's who's listening. I usually go when he goes. So uh, he's right. his brother right now being there is the only thing and that keeps me to going, you know, gives me a reason to go to these games to yeah. hang out with, with big Steven Elsner. So uh, as long as he's there, I'll tag awesome. along with them. So uh, best of luck to you with this, uh, this year's team and uh, appreciate you coming on. This was a blast. Yes. Thank you, Riz. This was awesome, man. Keep doing your thing. I'm uh, watching you from afar, man. We're all proud of you. All of our coaches. I'm sure your family is. You're the next star. You already know this. I appreciate that. Hey, and next time I'm there, you got to introduce me to the new coach. Oh yeah. No problem. No problem. He'll love this. He'll love all. He'll love you. I know it. I know it. Awesome. Sounds good. Everybody could uh, check out the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast. Uh, I post clips of there, old or older clips, new clips. Uh, I'm sure Coach Jeff sees all the clips of there of, of me asking Denard's fan what his worst fit, you know, worst ballpark is, best ballpark, all that fun stuff. Um, and then, of course, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Go check it out. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And see you next time.